Podcast. The political climate in today's university is so progressively, dangerously left, it's frightening. So why do you think it leans so far to such a liberal state of mind? I, you know, whatever that uh, today's academia trying to instill, that uh, the classes and some of the, you know, the school functions and organizations a party. You think they insert it into some of the... It is, because I, you know, when I went to Stony Brook, when my daughter attended school, I myself as a hunt in Hunter Campus, uh, when I was working as a, you know, career advisor for others, uh, the career advisors or college advisors for the other parents and their kids, I went to other CUNY and other, you know, um, universities. And I noticed that the student bodies and some of the studies that they're studying, even at NYU, when I went on, on the campus and doing film for them in Columbia, um, a lot of the students are into these cultural and social awareness and revolution. They're trying to change things. And a lot of students now are coming out with non-STEM degrees. They're just basically coming out. They want to be, you know, social workers or masters of social work and into all that, but not into the STEM culture. This is the predominantly, you know, the New York City. I mean, I can only speak on based on what's going on right now in CUNY and also in some of the SUNY system. Uh, a lot of the students are somewhat swaying heavily towards politically left, progressives, even now in politics in New York City, where the Democrats, um, the ideology is progressively left swinging. I think it's cyclical. I think, I think the new wave coming in always tries to be different than the previous generation, yes. right? They, because for whatever reason, and, and perhaps they looked at it and they just saw that a lot of changes need to be made because they saw some of the flaws because there's no perfect system. I'll just get out that, that out of the oh, way. That's, that's but that when you definitely have, true. When yeah. you have only two options and you go, well, this system didn't work, well, then this one, if this is the opposite, if you only have two choices, you go, this one doesn't work, well, I'm just going to do this one. Two popular choices, I should say. Okay. Right now, so, I think there's only like, you know, New York City is it, just the Bloods and Cribs. And that's exactly how I call it. This is the Chris Rock political tribal mentality. Either you're one or the other, and you can't be in between. And for me, as a, an NPA, a no political affi affiliation voter, and I, I pretty much picked it up when I turned 18, and my great aunt, my entire, all my paternal side of my family, they're all registered Republican, including my mother, who came from Hong Kong. Uh, because at one time, if people know the history, if you were a person of color or black, back in the days, Democrat was not the yeah. party for you. Right. And people didn't understand that, you know, why? And there's a history. I mean, if you're going to be an American and did what I had, my mom had to do, my mom came here and worked 10 hours a day writing a Formula One singer song machine, and I had to do that. And she was able to go to Chinatown Manpower Project to study ESL, where she took her citizen exam in English, verbally and, in, and, and written. Yeah, let's talk about that. So what is the, the, the team that looks out for Asians? Because I've heard 
let me say, you think Republicans are rooting for Asians. They're not. And then I heard the other way, like Democrats definitely aren't for Asia. So is that correct or is that not from what you see? What actually upsets me is because, you know, whether it's a party or a political ideology, there are goods and bads in every single thing that we look at. Number one, I myself as a New Yorker, and also as a vet and everything else, whatever you want to put me in right now, if I check my, you know, 2020 whatever census, how many boxes do I fit in? Um, you know, what is it about, you know, what party versus what that works with Asian? And the first thing I tell my social workers that I deal with is, number one, I don't speak read or write Asian. I'm going to call myself American Chinese because the bottom line is, if I live in a community where, let's just say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to use Flushing as an example. If for some reason that I am uh, a council member where I live in an Asian community, however, uh, Chinese is only 10%, Indian and Korean and Japanese are predominantly, and I am a congressman of Korean origin, who do you think I'm going to sway? But it's going to be an Asian, it's going to be that crab in that bushel, whoever has the power of that size of that pie is going to make the difference of how much political you know, power and how much government funding depends on that political power. Because if I'm going to talk about Manhattan, Chinatown, and the mega jail, or whatever it is, I'm going to represent myself as an American Chinese. Right, like the other other Asian communities won't care about yeah, what you're talking about. Because yeah. Korean town, in Midtown, their business is doing well. Yeah, the Japanese and the restaurant Little Tokyo, they're fine. It's none of my business. I ain't got I ain't got time to come here for that because I'm also struggling in my own business. If I'm doing well, my representatives are taking care of me. That's fine. Also, as far as like history's concerned. You know, whoever label, and I'm even saying that from Smokey Robinson's, because don't call me African-American. I am a black American because I, you know, whatever it is, there are certain people that like to use that term. That's fine. They can do that. But as far as me as being called Asian-American, my ancestors were not stolen from their land where they didn't identify where part or what part of Africa, you know, Asia that they're from. For five or six generations I know that, you know, my relatives and my bloodline came from Toysan or my, you know, whoever, my parents over here or my relatives are from a specific part of China. So I don't have to lose my, you know, lose my lineage and say, just call myself Chinese American. I can literally say I am Cantonese or Toysan American. I know there are, you know, African descendants that because their, you know, ancestors were stolen ripped from their land. They didn't know, you know, where or what part of Africa they're from. They didn't know what tribe they're from. I can understand that they want to, you know, call that, that all, you know, I respect that as well. But as far as for, you know, for the Asians or the Chinese community or the Korean or the Japanese community, own who you are because you already know who you are, where you from, where you're from, where is your parents and your lineage from. If you were here 
in you know California before they put you in concentration camp, you know your parents are from Okinawa. You know your you know your 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 family is from you know Osan, Korea. That's who you are. You're not Asian American. Identify and own who you are, and that's when we was the purpose when they put us in the same bushel. The American census basically giving us the infighting and say, let the motherfuckers fight themselves within themselves. Because once you're Asian, ah, who gives a fuck? But if you don't stand up and say, I'm not that, because I have the same situation when ACS calls me up and says, well, Mr. Chan, I sent you a client. I said, you're Asian. I says, no, the gentleman is from Bengal. You know, he's Bengal from Bengali. Bengali. He's from Bangladesh. Yeah. yeah. I don't speak his language or his di- and it's like you're Asian, aren't you? Says, yeah, I'm Chinese. Because if you notice that, uh, just to let you know, all the bo- predominantly of all the bodegas now are owned by people from Bangladesh. Mm. They're no longer a Hispanic or a Latino or Dominican Puerto Rican thing. A bodega is yes, it's still a bodega, but the people who operates the bodega are from Bangladesh, and the people who run the majority of the pizza parlors. Are, well, some of them are actually Albanians, because I know I found that out because the fact many of them from the Bronx, they're very close to the Italians. The Albanians also speak Italian, because they, and the people who actually manage the pizza shops. And the people that are making your pizza. Are from are, are, South America. Yeah. So, and these are, you know, this is what we're trying to explain to them is, is you can't do that and then at the same time try to provide service into a Chinese community and sent in a Korean social worker. How does that work for us as far as Chinese, Korean, and Japanese? And I'm just going to use those. And Bangladesh, thank you very much for making my sandwich this morning. Um, This is what happens when we destroy ourselves by labeling us as Asian Americans. We can't. So you feel like labeling us as Asian American hurts ourselves with a human and social services in new york city absolutely because if i'm from little tokyo if i have a situation with a family court where i'm trying to get my you know child back from custody or, or from foster care and then all of a sudden acs says okay you know mr you know mr koji uh we're gonna send you a social worker in come mr joe chan hi mr koji i'm your social worker it's like i i don't you know and I need somebody that speaks Japanese. So I don't speak your Chinese. And that's exactly how that yeah. feels. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, I I was stationed in Biloxi, Mississippi, in Keesley Air Force Base. There is a 100-year history of the Mississippi Delta Chinese that mm. were there for over 100 years. And if you close your eyes, you can't even see slant eye and yellow skin. All you're going to hear it's a hillbilly with a southern draw, mm-hmm. and that will cook you the best Cantonese toysan dish. I actually want to go visit there because of that. Is it is it still is it still flourishing? Uh, there is still town? certain remnants of it. The Coca Cola sign is still in Chinese and in English. Dude, I want they, to taste their Chinese. There was food. a house of Chan on Biloxi I ninety, an old school toysan style, and they had two menus, right? Or there was a. There was a menu. Whatever that they had, <laughs> they had the menu for, you know, the locals. Yeah. But if you speak whoever that's in the kitchen, 
whatever that's in their fridge, they'll cook it for you. Mm-hmm. I enjoy eating at all the Chinese in the hood. I'm going to say it that way because I'm proud of them. The fact that they've planted more Chinese takeouts in Harlem and then Bronx. If you ever go up to, even in Brooklyn, there are actually more Chinese takeouts than McDonald's in the Bronx, in Harlem, and in Brooklyn. Wow. And they're the one who survived the pandemic when the New York Times put out the newspapers to say, oh, these are all the restaurants. And all you see was dotted the, all the Chinese takeout places. They survived the pandemic because they were all takeouts that nobody was eating in. So the kitchen in the front, all they needed was the cashier, the guy who placed the order, and the two dudes that, that doing the walk, and two and the bicycles. Bullet, and the bulletproof glass. And they still have that. And you know what? The bulletproof glass is already COVID yeah. approved. Yeah. <laughs> you they, they, they thought of it they ahead of time. They were already COVID approved. Yeah. So there you have it. The bicycle delivery dudes, you know, habla espanol, muy bien. They got, took care of that, and they got a cook in the back, took your order, they got the phone, and yes, and they survived. And you know, whenever I go in there and I call them and I start speaking to them, if I wanted something that I like, they have it in the fridge, they cook it for me. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, hey, you know, it is what it is. Um, I'm not trying to like, you know, diss people by, oh man, you racists. No, I'm anything but, because the bottom line is I'm a, you know, I'm a person person. I treat you as a person. Not that I'm a people person. I can't because there are assholes out there that looks like me, that lives in my neighborhood. And am I going to be racist about them? No, I'm just going to call you out as an asshole. You just happen to look like me. You know, I would be so fascinated. I wish that I could take some type of time machine, fast forward 100 200 years into the future 2022 and because this is documented right we, we have digital records of all of this and when they reflect back and look at what we did in america what we did in russia china right all of this and they go wow 100 years ago they were like that i would just love to see their reaction and mm-hmm. and their thoughts at that current political climate it's right? insane I, I i would be curious to see what has changed and how much has changed, if at all, if at all, are we, or is it the same shit, different toilet? And then mm-hmm. to be to find out later on, shit, you're in charge, and you know it's like it's going to be one of those. You know, I, it's you know what what'll be scary if if you see a video of a conversation that takes place, and you're going the fuck, this is the same shit we're dealing with now over here. What the like none like none of this. Mm-hmm has evolved you know yeah we got cooler technology and and life is a lot easier in certain ways but it's also a lot harder isn't it right i I have a feeling it's gonna go that way i hope i'm wrong i I think we're gonna have the same conversations i mean like 50 years ago 50 years ago we had the same we're having the same conversations that we're having now right i mean but the truth is we're having the same conversations but it's gotten a lot better than 50 years ago Mm mm-hmm Right? Think about that. Where 50 years ago, you could be openly prejudiced and racist. I'm going to go back just in the 70s. And this is like how television allows certain things back in the 70s and the early 80s. When you mention about prejudice, you know, whether it's a joke or whatever, a show. And just to let you know, this was actually on prime time. I, I, I think Jimmy Kimmel tried to repeat 
that doing live with the Archie Bunker and the Jeffersons. Mm. Remember, he did it one time, and they had to bleep out certain things. But those dialogues that was in the, the same scripts that was on primetime CBS and ABC was perfectly okay to be on primetime television for Wheezy Jefferson. And this is in YouTube. Uh, I'm not saying it in a racist content. I'm just repeating what the actual scenario scene was because it was saying, um, Tom, you know, uh, Mr. Jefferson and the son's name. I forgot his name. And this is, oh, that's a nice watch. It's like, and this is, oh, it must look expensive. This is Wheezy Jefferson with, you know, George. And it's like, how much is the watch? And, and no, I think the son was like $300. And, and Wheezy, this is, you can find this on YouTube. Wheezy go, $300? Nigga, please. And that was on the George Jefferson show, quote, unquote. You can find that on YouTube. So that was the way how Wheezy Jefferson expressed what $300 is as a black person living uptown on the Upper West Side, Upper East Side. And literally, she said, nigga, please, which is perfectly normal because it was written. And people have to understand, and I hate it when the media say, oh, this person used the N-word. Yes, if you use it in proper context, use it. I had an English professor when I went back to Hunter College, and this was my English 210 class, not my 120. I had to repeat that because Professor Chen gave me. And she was, I guess, in her late 20s. And there was a paragraph in one of the textbooks where the word nigger was in the paragraph. She had to literally just stop and use the N-word and just, you know, say N-word. So she said N-word. And she said N-word. And I looked at her and, you know, I says, respectfully. What was she? What was her race? She's Caucasian. Young, very young Caucasian. Well, I could understand why a young Caucasian woman would be And And I said to her afterward, I said, listen, we spent a lot of money for this class. You know, for a lot. If you're going to be an English teacher reading, you're reading. You're not calling a student in class that word. There are 219 niggas in Tom Sawyer's Huck Finn. You can't just stop and use and change the word to slave because you're politically woke or correct. If you're going to teach us American literature, please, if you're going to read it, read it as is. You're not abusing. You're using the N-word because it's in context. I just don't like it when the news media, oh, he used, no. If, if the guy flat out just screams out and calls somebody derogatory, no. He abused the word, not using it. There's nothing wrong with using. If, if I was to say, you know what, there's a nice chink in the armor. There was a chink in the armor. It, you know, that's exactly what the context is. But if you say, yo, fucking chink, get my drink, that is not using the N-word. And this is what the media and political correctness to a point that everybody has to walk on eggshells to see whether... If you are making a speech or at least saying certain things, 
like Mr. Adams would use the, you know, he didn't use it. He flat out just called these cops crackers. It wasn't used. He this is a public. Uh, he said this in public. It was in recording. They, they had yeah, it. Recorded. It was. They have it. He, Mayor Adams apologized for it. I think. But you know, he, he addressed some of it. Yeah. Whatever. It was the way he delivered it. Mm-hmm. He meant every syllable and letter of that word. I, I didn't actually see times. that clip. Did you have, bring it up. But did he say it in a derogatory term? Very derogatory mm-hmm. way. Oh wow! You can and you, the emotion because he umphed it. He owned it. Oh, so he leaned into it. Oh, like, he and he grew. Oh, you can use that gruff. Yeah, I, I, I oh, do with a cracker, and and he. It's listen. It's live. You can't undelete it. It's the social media. Right. He's exactly, and that's when you know when it was meant exactly how he delivered it. There was no hesitation. If you're seeing something derogatory to trying to hurt a certain culture, that's different, right? Now, if you're a professor, I think I understand both sides. I understand your point uh, where you're coming from because she wasn't using it it, it, with a hurtful tonality or it's literally just reading words uh, that, that I guess are in the curriculum. However, I do understand her point of saying uh, a hyphenated version of it, right? Uh, Because she just said, she literally used the word N-word instead of using the word okay. that was written in the paragraph. And I, and I understand that because perhaps she may feel like I'm just reading it, but she may be sensitive she to other... She should have asked the class at the very beginning, by the way, the paragraph I'm reading has this word. Is it okay? That's all she had to do. And I, I had to step out and say, listen, you know what? I'm probably the oldest dude in the class. But we then paid- perhaps she didn't want to get into a whole... Because that, that it's could a be it's a, it's it could a, be a whole a debate. debate. Every single student in that class agreed and said, "You know what? It's okay." Mm. But she couldn't have known were that. There, right? there, I had, no, I had to be the I had to be that radical. Were there, were there any black students in the in the class? I'm at Hunter College. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I want you know it's Hunter. I don't know if you're familiar with Hunter Cuny. So so, uh, so from they, that moment so, on, so everything there were, was cool. So there were a lot of people of color in that classroom that were okay with it. A hundred percent. Okay, mm. because I, you know, I, I had to like as somebody that was more mature in the classroom. Mm-hmm. I respectfully asked. But you got to look at it. It's it's a white female in her late twenties, and there's m- multiple people that aren't. If you're going to be a teaching, white male yeah, or you, white female in that classroom, and, and CUNY, of, like, you're going to be a, that person right there. She's about. She's a, not going to want any of that smoke. She doesn't even want to invite that conversation. She's not going. You know, like she's thinking, I'm just going to say what's politically correct. And she's a teacher. Her job is to try to teach. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to offend. Mm-hmm. She does. And, and, and she's was, not in a yeah. debate class. So she probably didn't want to get she didn't want to stir the pot. And maybe someone in the um, the classroom may feel strongly. Yeah, just say it. And somebody else is going to go, hell no. Yeah. You don't understand that well, word, the pain the, that it's caused me my whole yeah, life. We, You know, when we right. got to that and uh, um, what the students that were there in the class, and yet yeah, there was predominantly, you know, American. I can understand her. She doesn't so want to stir the pot. The bottom line with that is the moment that was said was, so they understood, and these kids were very, very open minded because you know what, and they just you know. That's interesting because that an Asian man stands up and says, "Use that word, go ahead," and that everyone well, the in the classroom agreed. They're my like, first okay. teacher was my home," you know. 
my English 120 was a Chinese. She was Chinese. So it was like, hey, I'm Asian. But if somebody says like, if there's somebody else that's not Asian, goes, yeah, use the word chink. It's OK. I would be like, what? <laughs> I would be like, I mean, like now I'm not OK with you. using. I was OK until you said it was OK. Right? Well, but then, I, it, had, it had to be how would I, it, you know, it was you know? explained in such a way that and I said, you know, as an example, I'm not paying four hundred dollars to see Raisin in the Sun to have Denzel Washington not use the word that he's going to be using that was written by Lorraine Hansberry the way exactly... Now, even when I went to see the Book of Mormon, and you should see the faces... I did on, see the and, Book of Mormon. And it's like, fuck you, God. And, and mm. all... But South Park gets at everyone. And it's amazing because the, when I went, the audience, they were all like very predominantly, you know, Caucasians and then very, very eloquent African-Americans that were sitting in the audience. Where when they say, as a diva way, and it's like, wow, that's a cool song. What is that? And they thought it was going to be like the Lion King thing. And the man just flat out say, fuck you, God. And, and everybody just, and they took it. it shit, that's a lot. That was a lot of money back then when they had um, the Book of Mormon. It was like the highest. It was very expensive. It cost more than my fucking plane ticket. Like, wow. The, that is... one moment, you, yeah, that one moment was like the ultimate. What? And yeah, and, and you also had, you know, and th- these are the things I have to define us and say, Mel Brooks has been doing it. And, oh, and, you know, with the way how. Mel Brooks managed to get away with certain things now, mm-hmm. even as whatever that needs to be done and how Jimmy Kimmel, when he tried to repeat that all in the family and the Jeffersons episode, this only happened less than a year ago. And although they bleeped it for the television, they did not for the audience that was live and Every single person, including the black performers who did it, it was like, this is how it was written. This is American art literature, and it should be read the way it is. And, you know, it, as long as the bottom line is, you know, yes, it's not abuse. You know, you're not using it to hurt somebody. You're just reading something that was written. Now, do, do you think it's more harmful that we censor, like people censor this type of art over time because you know we're living in a world that back then there were different standards now we have these different type of standards censorship i'm sorry go ahead no no and i understand like you know we're living in different times and so people are a little uh they don't want to get canceled right so but do you think this is very harmful for uh, our future society for people in the future looking back and seeing this, this, this art being diminished. But are we today in a digital world censoring? Because once this is, when you hit enter, they will find the original raw copy somewhere. So is it really censor? Are you trying to stop something? And you also have to remember where certain individuals, like for instance, if uh, I have relatives you know, by marriage, whose families have tattoo numbers on their wrists. And if I have to explain that to you, then I am definitely have to, you know. They saw books burnt. My mom and my grandparents 
saw things burn. They literally, back then, there's no internet. There's no undelete or whatever. You're Joe, can you explain the, the numbering? Oh, yes. When you have tattoo numbers on your wrist, you were a captor of, um, how would I say, of somebody that was caught by Nazi Germany. You were a, uh, in a concentration camp, whether you're Jewish, Polish, Gypsy, uh, anything other than Aryan. So that's what the tattoo number on your wrist means. Um, yeah, books were burned. Literatures were burned. Uh, documents, important things were destroyed. Histories, history was that's being erased. History, and you also and you're kind of doing that when you're censoring. And the thing is... You're trying to erase someone. It's being overwritten by the victor. Because anybody who controls history will control the way information the way information is released just like what happened with the chinese cultural revolution where chairman mao's henchmen the gang of four how he wanted to eliminate academia because he wants everybody to pick up tools instead of a pen because knowledge is danger according to him because it's dangerous to his ideology. So therefore he will put professors, educators, you know, mm -hmm. in concentration camps, in re-education camps. And they did that with the slaves too. If you were caught with books. Yes. If you knew how to read, this you were in This is the Chris Rock trouble. thing. Yeah, you got, you got a letter? Can I buy a letter? And, and education... You know, that's the reason why people will say knowledge is power because now you are allowing people in power to play, you know, to understand what they're doing. So the power of language, when I first found out, you know, when I went to a committee board meeting, anybody would say, well, let's put a little language into this. That's when I know language is what determines how you control people of what you say mm. because the Chinese Exclusion Act was written to prevent Chinese from being here. Not Asians, Chinese. And the Japanese Americans were put in camp by order of, do you remember what order? 496? I forgot the number. That particular order put Americans of Japanese descent into concentration camps. Not, what was the other camp that they used? They internment use camp? Internment camps. No. That's another language of PCing. They were in concentration camps, mm. but they used internment camps. Mm. What's the difference when you take somebody out of your house, tell you to get as much as you can carry, and say, you're getting the fuck out of here. We're taking your house. And you got to get rid of your stuff. And the best we can do is eight cents on a dollar if you get that much for whatever goods that you have owned and earned since you were born here. What the fuck is that? And you telling me right now that if I'm going to censor this information, I... Went to class into, I went to school with 
college educated students that has no idea that Americans were placed in concentration camps. They have no idea there was something called the Chinese Exclusion Act. And I even asked Chinese Americans that were born here have no idea what a paper son is. Yeah, I wasn't taught any of that. Were you, Norm? Yeah. Well, not taught, but I I read about it. No, I mean in school. Like, no, 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 I wasn't no. taught so about that. So this is no. the reason why a lot of, you know, American Chinese want to have American Chinese history taught in American colleges and American education institutions because if we have African American histories, why can't we have Chinese American history? Why can't we have Japanese American history? We were part of that history that made America what it is now. We contributed just as much as the slaves that were forced upon our land. If you want to be politically correct, they were enslaved Americans. We're the outsourced Americans because we were cheaper to keep than the enslaved Americans because we were more passive. They didn't need to have guys with guns to look after us. We didn't eat as much as those large savages that we stole from their land. And they liked us so much, they ordered 234, whatever thousands of us to say, Lincoln probably woke up in the morning. Fuck those guys, man. We just got a whole new shipment of chinks. They're cheaper. That's the gist of it. And the bottom line is, um, was that ever? Nobody knows. Like, you know, even the, you know, with Corky Lee, with the picture of the railroad, when, when the two railroads, the tracks were built, not a single Chinaman was in that photo. We banged the spikes in there. We lay those tracks in there. We know how to use dynamites that no one else knows how to use dynamites. And the term, not a Chinaman's chances, where the motherfucker had to go light that fuse and run out of that cave to make sure that, you know, everything gets blown out of there. And, and the irrigation that made Napa Valley that's famous for, you know, the all wine. the wine, yep. we irrigated that whole area that could not be. And we, you know, made things happen that nobody else, you know, we put our blood and our sweat into America to make what America is now. The engineering that we provided, that was so little to talk about. You've only scratched the surface of... of um, uh, yeah, all of that. And, you know, not only that, and there was also, I mean, you know, Canada's one thing, and... The same thing happened over there. The same thing happened in Panama, which is, you know, still considered Central America. We have Mexico's in, in their Chinese histories in there. Um, you know, North America, Canadian, whatever. The American continent, Chinese has history in a lot of that. And it should be taught. Because if we have a Spanish-African study uh, um, department, at CUNY, there should be an Asian American, Chinese American or Asian American study department in our city and state university. I'm sure. I'm sure. You know those kind of departments will will grow if there is demand. Hunter recently just kind of like you know, and I'm I'm only speaking because I you know I'm an alumni there. They had it before. It was minimum, and and the thing is, and even with public schools, they should know. I mean, the fact that 
if they, you know, if people of uh, the World War II, they're trying to explain, you know, concentration camps or whatever it is. A lot of people still didn't know, and they still think, you know, the Holocaust is a hoax because of, once again, try to censor information. And if you go down south of the Mason-Dixon line, certain educations are twisted because of religious reasons, secular, non-secular things. And I see that because of certain fundings of how publications of textbooks, they would influence what our children are actually learning or not getting how intelligent design versus you know, evolution. We don't know what, but don't stop us from allowing our imaginations and our thoughts to not stopping and allow us to make our choices. Because when you start censoring things, it's dangerous. Because guys like me, when you tell me not what to do, I'm going to go find it. It's, it's about as bad as like, what? Smoking weed is bad? I'm going to go get, I'm going to go down to the, you know, I'm going to go. Gonna get I'm going to try rebels. myself. There you go. Because <laughs> yeah. we are, as an American, we are a bunch of rebellious, adventurous motherfuckers. We enjoy our freedom and liberty. I fought for it. I earned it. I'm willing to die for it. So when you tell me what I cannot do, you just violated my First Amendment rights. Mm. And the thing is, the freedom of speech and as far as the freedom of the press, so how far of that censorship is, and first of all, who is going to determine what to censor? Who put these motherfuckers in charge of what you are allowing me to know and not know. So you're you're saying like there's no, uh, there's no moment or no t- or any time that there's a right to censor. Um, I didn't say that. No, because- no. Well, I'm asking. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, here's the other interesting part. There are certain things like national security, because I guess from my military background, um, there are certain things that we should keep from the public because of mass hysteria. Um, So there is a fine line. I I can't say, because like, you know. Because like if you go into a movie theater, you can't just say, hey, yell fire. fire. That's, yeah, that's that's always been the case, but that's not, that's just somebody flat out lying. Mm -hmm. And that will cost lives. And the judges and every single, you know, whatever they would say, this is not a thing to do um there is a limit to that but at the same time the censorship um in general where the information is not um how would i say put someone's life in danger what is the ramification of the stuff that we're censoring what is you know um why do we have to take robert e lee's plaque out of fort hamilton um, okay, you know, Columbus never made it into America, so yet we still have a statue on 59th Street uh, crossing, Columbus, whatever. I mean, the man didn't even, he made it as far as Dominican Republic, yet we call this place America, and but they named the country after a map maker, right? So you're looking at a Chinese guy who's telling you American history, yet there are Chinese that don't know anything about Chinese-American history. So what's wrong with that picture? 
And then of the same thing, there are people that are in religious sect that will censor knowledge and, and or put information out there that is not true. For the longest, you know, the Vatican called Mary Madeline, she's the whore. In fact, 1998, until they realized, okay, she's not. She's one of the disciples. So... Has that been confirmed? She was actually... They, the, they put that out. There was that. So just, like, that, just like movies about but it. Wouldn't like, they, she but, is but, one of the disciples. But well, wouldn't that make that the 13 disciples then? There's a book. But in, in religion, it's all about, you know, yeah, there's, like, there's certain numbers in religion. That, right. Like, there's Numero- 12. Numerology is. 40. Yeah. Like you're for 40 days, 40 nights. 40, mm-hmm. They didn't literally rain for 40 days. In fact, that to, to call her what she, you know, what allegedly she is and all of that. I mean, I was just using that as an example. They did afterwards, 1990, whatever that year was. So she wasn't a whore. They just yeah. vilified her. Exactly. And because so she was a female. Oh, well, yeah. I thought she was an adulterer, right? Well, back in the days, the word whore, whatever definitions you want to call it, you know, now, you know. I mean, So they, she wasn't actually about to be, to be stoned. No. As a matter of fact, if anything else, I, right now, even now with all the conspiracy, there, there might be a book. Like she may have a gospel. Yeah. She of, may have a Yeah, book. of Mary. Wow. But like, see, that's, that's what happens. So they're saying like there might be a, a, the gospel of Mary? Yes. Where? In the Vatican? Because there right below, be. because the, I mean, that, there's a lot of books. That but library they don't have down a, there, nobody or, knows what the hell is in that. And the catacombs in the deep. Yeah. Deep. Just like the movie, you know, I mean, it sounds funny because that movie. Didn't Booker they find like, like something, the Dead Sea Scrolls? And there was like certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there, oh, I forget which one too. They were saying, but you also have to remember because of politics, people in power has the influence to pay scribes to write things. I mean, well, I'll take the King James version as an example. The man just changed the fucking Bible because Henry VIII feels that he needed to have a King James version, and the guy happens to what he kills his wife. But these are the things that we're talking about when you have somebody in authority say. I don't like your version. I'm going to make my version. Just think if you have a Trump Bible, God forbid. It's, it can happen. It's perfectly possible that you can have you know, I, a Bible I, and I somebody will that. say, you know what, Mr. Trump, I will write that for you. I'll pen that for you. Mm-hmm. Well, you're giving out ideas now. The you're Trump want some royalties if they, Trump. If they, if no, they come I'm, out you with know, but these the are, gospel of Trump. And this. Uh, there was a comic thing with, with Bloomberg. There was a, there's like a comic, there's a book on with Bloomberg of all his philosophical sayings and quotes. Anybody that has a, a good set of quotes, these could be the gospel of whoever these quotes are. I mean, look at, you know, George Collin. He's a, he's a, he's a wordsmith. George Collin has a lot of things that he can say. Rob, who, anybody that's well-educated who are, with, with a lot of good wisdoms. And this is one thing, by the way, that I encourage as a parent. The reason why they have Mother Goose and all of those nursery rhymes before now, we now call them hip-hop, hippity-hop rap. There's a reason why we teach these kids nursery rhymes. Because if you read them, which I have done with my daughter when she was grown, you know, when she was little, did it with a, my Hong Kong British accent. These are called morals and values that you instill. If you read them, there are reasons that we want kids to know a stitch in time saves nine. 
There's a reason why you need to know that. There's a need, reason why that for the want of a, you know, a nail, a nation was lost. There are morals that it was instilled because of these nursery rhymes. Right, or a monkey jumping on the bed, and, fell and, off, yeah, and bumped his yeah, head. And, and it's like, all of this, there's a story. You know, just like whatever these uh, Grimm's fairy tales or, or whatever, yeah. there is a story that you want to tell these kids, don't do that, it's bad for you. But then again, we have American kids, fuck you, I'm going to do it anyway. Just like within the Bible, there's certain stories stories that you can take out and there's a deeper meaning than what you're actually reading. It's, it's, it's almost like it's poetry. And the Bible can be extremely you know, helpful. And it, in the hands of the wrong people, it could be extremely dangerous if you take it you know, literally. Where certain you know, religious folks will take certain things and well, they still do that. Eye. Yeah, they still I mean, do that in certain countries, but they yeah, take they it. They do it down literally. south. I mean, you know, yeah. they take it literal. And and I'm just basically talking about us as, in general, Americans and just people here, that things can change. People can in, interpret everything. People are trying to re, you know, interpret the Constitution in their own ways, and that is scary. Just to turn everything back around before we wrap up. Okay. Do you think um, we'll see an improvement within the next five years? Two-part question. In New York City and just overall with the Asian hate. Okay. In five years. Yes. Um, it's a possibility. We're talking about New York City first, right? Yes. Um... I am hoping that we will see improvement, uh, and especially with the current crisis of homelessness. Um, you think Mayor Adams can do it as much as you seem to despise him? I want him to do it. I don't despise him because of who he is. I'm not too crazy about him for his lack of action. I myself, as a practical engineer, I do things. I'm not a social scientist because I don't, and this is like how I feel about social scientists. They always sit back and they overthink and they think and they're afraid of peer review because they have a lot of good ideas, but they don't want to implement them because they're afraid that their peers would ridicule them because they don't like failure. I, as an engineer, I embrace failure because in order for me to fail, I have to do something. Right. And you're you, also learning what works and what doesn't. And if you don't do, of course you will not fail. I want Adams not to fail. I don't despise him for who he is. I don't care. You're high. You're voted. See, I did say hi. You were voted in as the mayor of one of the most largest cities in the world, you have a responsibility to do things, not to ask another mayor from another city for advice, which is worse than what's happening in New York City when it comes to illegal guns. So do you think within two years that 
things in New York City will return to what it was prior? I would have to, you know, monitor his this year. This is a, what is that? Four years to a term. Mayor is limited to two consecutive four-year terms in office mm-hmm. in New York City, but may run again after a four-year break. Right. Mm. Yes. The 100 days right now, because of everything, you have to remember, I measured Adam because of his so-called qualifications. I measured his, you know, I gave him the grade because of his prior experience as Bro, president, NYPD, NYPD yeah. police officer for 20 some odd years. Mm-hmm. So he should have working knowledge right down to the individual precinct. He was eight years as borough president with working knowledge of his own borough of Brooklyn. So with all that experience, you come in and you understand how de Blasio works. And for the first 100 days, um, you know, even like with Trump, you sign acts and you do all of that. So far, all he's been doing is you know, just a lot of talk. Already, I do not see uh, the decrease in anti-Asian crimes. Uh, I do not see uh, the shooting has, as a matter of fact, Comstat has already proven the numbers have gotten higher. Because you have to remember, if you're going to be a social scientist and doing things like this, you, your actions is based on your report card from Comstat. That's your crime rate stat scene. And regardless of the homicide, I think Comstat sometimes their statistics also cue the, the way the parameter because it doesn't tell you about, you know, crimes and violent crimes and assault, uh, you know, killings because of uh, just like the Asian guy that got stabbed mm-hmm. and killed over gambling, but it was still a violent right. crime. So we're talking about violent crime that leads to death, um, sometimes robbery that led to death. And how they statist- you know, how they would uh, label the parameters to give you those numbers. The news itself right now is telling you shooting crimes are up, robberies are up. So they can essentially run as many times as they want well, after Bloom- four, year. after four yeah. years. Yeah. Bloomberg so they can run two to- consecutive terms and another two. It's like, didn't Bloomberg you know? try to run for? Th- I think Bloomberg tried to run for three. I think he wanted to uh, limit it the term to make a change in the law so that he can run for a third term. Because a lot of times, you know, if you have a good legacy, he wants to see his stuff, you know, in fruitation. I can understand Bloomberg's mentality. But, you know, like I said, um, I will give Adams another year because I personally, I don't know. But I want I'm not asking, you know, you can't just hate some. Get it done. I, just because I don't like you, it does not mean you can't get the job done. Like, as I mentioned that with Giuliani. Mm-hmm. Just get the job done. He will make some sort of impact. Well, um, uh, there's one thing. I can't that, say if it's which way he's going to lean towards. But and the most major part right now that nobody's talking about or everybody is for it, I personally is against the closing of Rikers. The closing of Rikers and building four new Exactly. Mega jails around New York yeah, City. Well, I'm not even going to worry about the other three. I'm worried about the one mega one in my front yard. But I personally, because I have experience with the New York City juvenile and criminal justice system, 
specifically with the Department of Correction, I am totally against the closing of Rikers. If you have time, I will explain that to you. But if you don't have time, then let's, we'll let's, leave it. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that. Why do you feel Rikers Island should be kept open? Well, first of all, you can't blame, this is like a gun mentality. We can't blame the gun for killing you if I leave the gun and nobody touches the gun. You can't blame an island for the casualties of, you know, all the injustice that's happening in the this is just an island but do you feel that because it's disconnected from where the judgment takes place that they kind of become their own little law that's whereas if they were closer well the thing is there's the clue this is like uh matt max who runs barter town who runs rikers the department of corrections correct so if you have a corrupt system and the system is not fixed. If you have gods that are taking bribes, bring in drugs, bring in phones. Bring Two in, of them just got yeah, convicted well, of it. Here's the situation. This yeah. is how engineers think. If you have a corrupt system, the system is still corrupt. If you're going to clean out the island, but you still leave the system corrupt. So now... This is the virus, a contaminated petri dish called the Department of Correction. Let's close Rikers. So once you leave Rikers, but you still have this contaminated petri dish of Department of Correction. The virus, the virus spreads. You're, saying. you're now you're killing mean. Raccoon City and taking this, oh, we got a nice captain. Let's put him in the Chinatown MDC. We got this over here. And you just basically took this contaminated petri dish, the Department of Correction, and spread that out to the other boroughs. The problem is, as a, you know, as a scientist or an engineer, you're supposed to surgically remove the virus. By closing Rikers, you're only going to clean Riker. You don't think it makes a difference? With the way New York City is, and, and you know, there are, and I, I know it sounds really fucked up, and there are corruptions in all parts of our, you know, political and our city government running system. I've seen corruption, you know, in that shit. I mean, if you see it locally in Chinatown and some of the associations and how politicians are running, uh, how certain deals are being taken care of on a local level. If you notice that there are corruptions in, you know, um, in the legal system, how this bail reform thing that's another issue because what good is a jail if you keep having people that never made it into jail the revolving door is at at the at the court so some of these guys will probably never made it to jail and they'll come back right out even for violent crimes yes 98 times it's been you know i'm just using 98 and one person 98 times in a and he goes right back out so he never made it to, to rikers or maybe he was at rikers for one day for a meal and a shower and he comes right back out Who's benefit? And the thing is, that's another thing with you know with New York City. The fact that is like I just wanted to add. Yeah. that's uh, read somewhere uh, that that's where most of the uh, crime is occurring in New York, New York City. It's not new 
people making crime. It's most of the time, same it's people. the same people that's been let they, out, even uh, for violent crime, whether it's they, they, whether for a gun crime or a gun charge or a, a attempted murder, they go in, they get processed, they come right back out. Like somehow, these are repeat. somehow someone that was trying to do an attempted murder was able to get back out on the street twice, only to reattempt a murder and mm. successfully doing it. By accident, if you heard about the uh, the 16 year old girl that was yes. shot mm-hmm. and killed, there were three teenagers that were coming home from school, and and three of them were shot. All right, two 16 year old girls and a 17 year old male that had nothing to do with uh, whoever they were trying I to shoot. I worked very close at. to that area, most in the yeah. Bronx. I know exactly. They, they were where trying that is. to shoot at someone else, and they just happened to be coming wrong place, wrong time, coming back home from school. Three teenagers. Shot one of them, killed the other two fighting for their life. And the person the suspect. has a lengthy rap sheet. And, has, and the priors was attempted murder, mm. shooting. And they're wondering, how can a system have... There's a, clearly a flaw it's, in the it's system. It's broken, yeah. Oh, by the way, someone like that gets to come back out. There's a quotation for that that we use in the social service system. It's flawed by design. Why? Because the other quote by another doctor is when you want to find a solution to the problem you don't find what the problem is you find out who benefits from the follow the money follow Follow the money money. because just like acs cases or hra when um they're constantly abusing the system for the you know benefits and public assistance as long as they keep running the people that are employed in those places is considered job security Mm. How, how does someone profit that greatly over someone else being killed and not holding them accountable? Why does the, the same question as a college, you know, a high school kid that never finished education? He's worth nothing, but he's worth $55,000 in the prison system because that's how much the prison, the yeah, pipeline. Yeah, but these people aren't actually getting processed yeah, into the guess prison long term. In, in that process... Along that process that is flawed, somebody during these process is making money off of that. But didn't they want to do bail reform originally because there were people, innocent people, being held for such a long time? Actually dying in Rikers and this kid was innocent. I know that for a fact because my previous organization I worked for, Khalif Browder, that's the person... Uh, they literally criminalized the poor because he was allegedly arrested. Well, he was arrested for allegedly stolen a backpack. Right. right. The backpack, but they never, but he never made bail. So he was at Rikers more than two years waiting for a trial. So what happens after what he came, you know, and his mental state of mind, he committed suicide. Um, his brother now is currently working at the organization that I used to work. But I am very familiar with that because the bottom line is they are criminalizing the poor. But you also have to remember that some of these individuals, although they are poor, some of them have multiple records. But we also know that in the Bronx, in the news one time, a woman, judge, literally let a perp out of her courtroom through her chambers. 
There is so much stuff that is going on that is like so wrong in so many places in the system that you really want to know the only way we can find out is but nobody because the fact that the chaos is in such disarray there's so much misdirection because of all the stuff that's going on. They say there's a lot of profit in chaos. Never fail to take find the opportunity and, and look within. at look at how much the people that are making the masks. Look at how much that they're using right now for the COVID test set. I'm working at a school right now that every time when a letter comes out from the assistant principal, oh by the way, we noticed that a certain number of person or student have contracted COVID this week or today, we need to come and get the test kit. So they're giving out these test kits to the students and the teachers. These kits have about 30 bucks a pop for two tests. I have found many, many unopened boxes of test kits in you know, the trash bin because the kids, it's a hassle. And some of them just don't understand the instructions. And some of them just, you know, if you literally have to read the instructions or check the test, and a lot of them have it, they just don't want people to know, or they themselves don't want to know they have it, so they get tossed out, just like school lunches. But the social justice worries that we have in the system that are looking at these cases, they're looking at maybe like 0.1% of the cases that they're involved in these, you know, um, Nonprofit organizations or some of these community-based organizations where they advocate, you know, for um, the criminal justice and the juvenile justice system. But there are people out there as a, how do you manage to allow somebody that who repeats, forget about 98, just more than five times to right. be back out on so the street. So it, it sounds like it's just a really messy process. It's like, damn if you do and damned if you don't, right? On one end, you're saying... Look, you can potentially be destroying someone's life by throwing him in jail for for very whether it's a minor infraction or just waiting for a court date if they haven't done anything at all and they just have to be there um, continuing. Okay, uh, if they have to be there and and wait for a court date for two years, right? That can be severely mentally damaging. Emotionally as well, well, right? He committed suicide. That's yeah, how damaging it, exactly. it, it was. But then you. But have, you also have to understand that the person has a multiple record, and you allow. That's the other side of it, and that person comes out and, and ends up killing and a sixty-one-year-old grandma. Fired? That person is killing us, mm-hmm. you know, and an innocent sixty-one-year-old yeah. grandma that went out to go shop for her family, gets exactly. a grocery store that she frequents, and then you have three kids that were... Or the one in Brooklyn who sat in the car right. just having ice cream. Having ice the cream one inside right now the that's, car. You know. Right, so you... I mean, then you're going, all right, yes, that's that stinks that that kid was waiting for a court date ended up not having mm-hmm. the right proper justice for him, but then you have this scenario of from a, a little kid, I was a nine years old, mm-hmm. Then you have three teenagers, and now you have another example of a 61-year-old grandma. And let me tell you, this isn't, none of these kids are Asian I'm talking about. And they were on the other end of the stick. Innocent people, innocent children. Families were impacted and changed because they just happened to be innocent bystanders. And, and, and at least this. the media didn't use like the typical black-on-black crime thing because this not, was not a crime. These are all innocent deaths people. by collateral damage. Right. So the, and and but that's the other thing is like, all right, you're the police captain 
of that precinct of the highest statistics of this going on. What are you not doing? The mayor controls the PC, which is the police commit. Once again, shit doesn't roll downhill. Shit, you know, it's you have every single captain in every precinct and all of this. Your comstat indicates where your shootings, where your robberies and doesn't matter where there is gun. Every single camera in these bodegas from the sidewalks and all that indicating a crime has happened. What is your station that is responsible for that community is doing? It goes back to the police commissioner. This is your rank and file. Your chain of command is not, they're not, I mean, if this was, you know, you're supposed to be the seventh highest military command, you know, force. And if that was my, and of course, there are situations where sometimes, uh, there was, I think it was an Asian officer, that something failed. So they penalized her for failure to, you know, supervise over something really petty. But you're allowing these captains to have all of these death, all of these shootings, and no, there were no consequences? Uh, Who was in patrol? Where were you doing? Why are all your patrolmen that are looking into, you know, doing social media? Because right now, they don't care. Do you think it'll get better? Yes or no? You know what? I'm I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. I don't think it'll get better under you know Adams administration. Well, that remains to be seen. Norm, what do you think? Well, I think it's important to stay informed, and I think because you know the, the one thing we can do is you know share these instances with the community, and then inform the community because if we don't talk about it, it's not you know we're not addressing it. So. I think that's the most important thing we can do right now. All right. I, yeah, that'll be cool about that. I wish, because I, I can only speak for my community mm-hmm. yeah. and the people that are in my community and the, you know, and the people that I work in those communities. I actually yeah. care more about the people I work because I spend more of my daylight there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can so. see you're very passionate about this, Joe. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Always and, a pleasure. Uh, Always yeah. a pleasure having you know. It's always a pleasure you know being informed and you know. Thank you for you know sharing wisdom. Apologize if I get too much of a personal thing when I get into it, but it now you're passionate, it is. man. And, and it's you know sometimes numbers and statistics don't lie. Yep. And that's the sad part. I, I wish I wouldn't have to go there, but you know, I I'm I'm not the one who create those numbers. Thank you, Joe. Thank this you. is Lucky Boys Podcast. We are out. Lucky Boys Podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting the podcast. Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts for the rest of our episodes.